You guys might not recognize the gentleman on the other end of the uh, podcast microphone, but that's long gone fellow podcaster, speech guy, Landon Free. You know, a guy misses two episodes, and he's just well ostracized. When they're when they're three to four weeks apart, that adds up tremendously. Three. I do. I will go on like. I feel like I missed two episodes straight about, gosh, it is probably like twice a year. So forgive him if he might not necessarily comprehend the concept <laughs> of prisoner. He's a prisoner of to his own schedule, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That's so why we have four of us. Since... That's why we have four of us. That's the whole, there's always right. critical mass. We've always got a little bit of, you know, rope. I use my fair share. I think Ross behind me, mm. and then you're definitely. I don't. If if you're not on, we just cancel the show. Like it's over. <laughs> no point reschedule. <laughs> and we are picking back up where we left off with the uh, various origin stories of each pairing of the uh, of the speech guys. So we've done Ross and myself. We've done Matt and Ross. And so tonight we're going to cover Landon and myself. Landon has not had a single origin story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yet, so this is sort of like um, this is sort of like Spider-Man getting into the MCU really late in the game, and people are sort of wondering like what is his origin story. Mm-hmm. Landon, just briefly, just briefly, where does our story begin? Where where do our paths cross the first time in your mind? Yes, I. There's two. I can't quite put them in order. It was either in your or or um, maybe Danny McShane's room at Newman, or it was Brothers Bar and Grill. The Brothers being the first time we had a, a one-on-one conversation. I think. Oh my gosh. I feel so bad. I have zero memory of those. What you were gonna put our you were gonna be like, I met you on this podcast. It was our first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what what year what year in school were we when we met in Father McShane's dorm room? <clears throat> I mean, I believe Mr. Johnson had had really you know, shifted his most of his alliances from neighbor house to the Newman Center. You know, started tagging along, you know, like once a month yeah. to whatever shenanigans yeah. he was up to. And so that, I think, is where, like, he, he might have been like, hey, come to, I'm just walking around Newman, hanging out. I believe that is where we first were in the same room together. Nobody said anything too profound. You were, I think you were an RA at Newman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you were in your RA capacity. You had just broken up a fight or healed an emotional wound. <laughs> and we were chilling in a room, and you were telling us, I think you kind of told us about what the gig was like, <laughs> how it how it compared maybe a religious dorm compared to maybe a non, non-religious dorm. Oh, my dorm gosh. On campus. It's incredible specifics. Um, it sounds like something I would talk about. So that was like part one. And then fast forward – this would have been later senior so, year. So briefly, yeah. can I yeah. can I comment on those? My hypothesis is of why I don't remember those at all is because 
since you were you were an an outsider to Newman, and you were just sort of like you were someone who came and went. Right. Yeah. No. And I so I I didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it, mm-hmm. of course, and so it just that kind of encounter was so juxtaposed to what would eventually bloom a few years later, or I should say germinate and then bloom several years later in graduate school. Right. So that's my hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah, it's like my presence on this podcast. Like, you're, you know, you're kind of just, <laughs> you're in the fold. It's not always, it's maybe how our listeners feel is how, how you felt about me initially. Sure. <laughs> you you had another uh yeah brothers i think this this, i think this still was ross and i's senior year we it was like him me again one other person and you and i think you were back in town you were at bradley full-time at this point that would be now maybe this was like after a football game when ross and i were also out of school and he was back from bradley with you but we had we had a, a a beer at a packed brothers and we had a one on one conversation that was basically like you know yeah i don't know do these kids look young um <laughs> like you know we we're kind of talking about who we may flirt with or may not flirt with um mm, yeah going, sounds right. going through the rundown there okay since i don't really have corollaries to those moments other than uh, what i just shared Obviously, I I lived with you from uh, January to May 2015, and uh, was maybe it was it only that. six months? Maybe it was like it was probably I think it was less than that, like February or even March. <laughs> I feel like it was because I started that semester at the Focus Men's House, and that was a disaster. I feel like you moved in when it was warm, though. And I remember it was like springtime ish because I was dating Molly when I moved in because I remember her helping me move. Mm-hmm. And things ended with her. Um, when was that? It was like several months in because we even, um, she and her friends threw a party at their house. Yeah. And it was like a big game night. And so I came to that with you and her, and there were like yeah. two or three other couples there. I think Ross was living us, with us at that time, too. And so he. That sounds. Yeah. Ross like, lived there first. Yeah. Yeah. Eight or ten. No, I think you moved in. Okay. So, disaster at Focus Men's House. That will have to come up in another podcast, but I've got lots of stories to that. And I was able to get out of there. Yeah, Ross was out at Bradley at that point. I was in my third year of graduate school. Final semester. It was the twilight of the twilight to my victory laps at University of Illinois. And clearly, unfortunately, my uh, acquaintanceship with you had not sunk in very deep since you were not on my mind uh, to the present day in that context. But... I knew you were still in Champaign, and I obviously, I suppose, must have remembered you, though, in uh, antagonism, what I just said, though, and asked Ross uh, if he had room at your house. Mm-hmm. I do vaguely remember talking on the phone with you 
at the Focus Men's House about living there. Yeah, obviously moved in uh, a few weeks later. We'll say February, February 2015 or so. 25, huh, interesting. Though, what, you were at Bradley, but were you working on your crop science master's in, at Bradley? No, no, at U of I. <laughs> but weren't you doing something at Bradley? Yeah, I was campus minister for a year. And then you came back and started grad school? Correct. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So Ross and I were both in Bradley for just like a summer. Oh, okay. Three months or so. Yeah, and so I suppose Ross, yeah, like you said, Ross moved in uh, just like a week later. Man, our origin story is so, it's so brief, of course, there at Stillwater, as we called, as we called the place. Stillwater Landing was the address. But at the same time, it was, of course, so rich. Maybe because it sort of had this perfect balance of the college sort of energy, but adult maturity. Like, these two internal lives were fighting with each other and pulling and tearing as one led into another. And I think maybe that's sort of what made it so such a uh, special time in so short of a time what are some things uh characterize that time at stillwater with uh me and ross or me and matt i'll take you at your word it felt like at least eight months ten months but if you if it was only five sure yeah i believe you um we were all there we all had our routines and we like had them together um almost our whole weekly schedule was kind of around each other. Even I'm thinking of like Sundays, we'd like wake up, have coffee. We'd go our ways to church. We'd come back, make a big breakfast all together. Then I it was probably after a couple Sunday breakfasts, Ross, I, th- I think Ross probably prompted it, but it was like, let's, <clears throat> you know, I was at Bradley, had these guys over, sipped whiskey. Let's make a little group and, talk through speeches and so we got into that routine fairly quick because we did 11 12 13 speeches where we'd have i don't know it seemed like the i don't think we did 11 i think maybe six or seven i would say i made the book it was, it was 40, oh yeah that's true it was 40 yeah. pages pages of speeches um yeah okay what was the would be the characterization of that? Yeah, definitely fraternal. A little bit of a. I mean, it 25 was year it was old birth. mini mini frat house with uh, yeah. more mature sensibilities. Yeah, just to clarify, I mean, yes, it was the true beginning of the podcast, unless you count what Ross was doing. But yeah, and so and so the structure, of course, of the speech giving, you had the speech selector, just like now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd order pizza. Papa John's. And sip whiskey. And um, the speech picker would do a little bit more legwork, but the speech listeners, the speech studiers would would just study the speech Mm -hmm. at the very least Mm -hmm. or read it. The fireplace was obviously on. That was a good story. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, you and Ross move in, you guys get cozy. You're living almost rent free. I might have. I... So, so people can envision this space, though. This is out on the edge. This is the suburbs of Urbana, the uh, where the house is at, on this beautiful 18-hole golf course. 
Ross and I are in over our heads. We just, you know, we're we're putting our forks on the wrong side of the plate, if you will. Beautiful two stories. Landon lived upstairs. You know, we would serve his whims. I mean, it was a very uh, hierarchical <laughs> living arrangement. <laughs> what Landon did leave out was on Sundays. I mean, in fairness, yeah, we paid very little. Matt paid nothing though, just for the record. So did Ross. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did charge you though. I felt I, I thought you were making a little money, but maybe not. I don't know. Sorry about that. If uh, a little bit, but um, <laughs> what was it? Oh, Sundays we would clean. We would clean feverishly in service to you. I cleaned too. It it was me who started mm, it. Cause, maybe a little. No, no, because you guys would go ham on making a big dinner. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Like you know, and and I would want to like clean up after that and would usually right okay now that i've described the uh the plantation for people now pick up where ross and i were feeling cozy yeah i I was a traveling salesman um at heart a lot of conferences in february so i was i was gone a decent amount um i come back and i'm you know we had probably been one or two speech rounds into sipping whiskey and having pizza with the fireplace on on a Wednesday, but that just, it was so cold in February, you know, you were just tempted to do that all weekend, all week long. And the bills that I opened one Saturday morning as I was tending to the rhythms of the household proved that, that indeed my usual heating and electric bill of $180 was $380. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was uh, legit, the, I think that number's right on. It was like 200 extra dollars just because the fireplace pretty much ran the entire month of February. And it was after that I proposed that either we need to use the fireplace a little less or or rent was going to going to have to go up. So <laughs> I don't. I don't think that you even threatened rent going up. It was merely asking us to use it less. You did get on me about using the garage door opener as just a doorway, though. That that <laughs> so that you say that I had you, Ross, Matt, Lucas, and then like some other people would stay there for a week or a couple days, and it was just an interesting thing where everybody, if given the option of walking outside would always go to the garage and open the garage door instead of going out the front door and it wasn't just you it's everybody like and i could never you know it's just i'm this is my anal persnicketiness it's like that garage door's got whatever ten thousand opens in it and then it's got to be replaced and so just the way i think about mechanical things it's like if you don't need to use it like go out the front door it's actually closer um but something about our i don't know american brains is open the big mechanical thing <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of using yeah. the front door and i don't know why i had to i had to tell every person that um when a lot of elbow room <laughs> so there was lots of lots of good movies at Stillwater, sort of helping prime the pump of the uh the podcasting uh methods there was the end of the tour 
There was the words. We should make like the speech guys film list. That's basically what we're. I feel like the words is just for you and me. Um, I I know. I'm just. I really wanted you to watch that one. It's just like struggling writer, kind of a cool tale of of narrative. Um, I don't think anyone's ever really seen that movie, but (laughs) it's your second movie you remember from Stillwater, which is interesting. It is, yeah. I just remember the twist being disappointing. Like I wanted something heavier. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't not a huge plot twist, but but even when you go back and watch it, like the final scene, it's like he he did get what he wanted. The old man, he Bradley Cooper turned and looked at him and was like, "I really like your book." Like, don't you really? I just, haven't even haven't even rewatched one it person since. to tell you that to make the whole effort worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can't is that quote? Is that what you just said from the movie, or is that just what you're saying? No, that is from the movie. The old man. Yeah, that is that is an interesting <clears throat> point to uh, riff on a little bit, because as as you are well aware and have uh, read and provide some useful uh, criticism, you know, with Mel and Grady slash Under the Ozark Stars. Um, the middle grade chapter book I've been um, been working on. You changed the title. It is, uh, yeah. Well, the Melon Grady, like I never loved. Is the title? It's like mm. cool, cool title. Right, keep going, keep going. Sorry to cut you off. But it is. I guess I've sent it out to uh, probably like twenty four, twenty ish family, friends, acquaintances. I've asked all of them, like, will you look at this constructive criticism, just whatever you got. And it is, it has been, I would say, both surprising and, um, I think frustrating is probably, mm-hmm. fr- frustrate, frustrating and hurtful, I think, in the most apt way. I don't, maybe, maybe I'll talk to you about this, but just, um, and like, who, who actually read it? Right, mm-hmm. and right because you're putting a little bit of your heart out there, yeah. and you know it's yeah. Um, and I was speaking with an a new acquaintance of mine who actually he wrote his own book called The End of Ending. And really briefly, check it out on Amazon. It's self published, but it's worth a read, mm-hmm. particularly with the Catholic audience. It's like a modern day retelling of the resurrection of the body but revolving around baseball and brewing your own beer and some monks. But I was talking with him. He's older. He's got kids, not me. He's mid forties. And I brought this exact point with him. It's like, how do you deal with this, (laughs) this thing? Like, Oh, ouch. It's, it's sort of heavy. And he referenced like exactly what you said. You have, when it lands right with the right people, like, that just has to be enough for you, mm-hmm. you know. And in fairness to him, he referenced where his his son like started it and didn't finish it. And Lord knows, like you've done a lot for your child, that <laughs> <laughs> like wouldn't make them indebted to at least finish this. So I sort of, sort of tell myself, uh, remind myself of that when I think about that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's a great great little takeaway. I mean, and that's a good takeaway for like any piece of art and any struggling artist, right? You just, you want to be, 
great. You want to be world changing from from the get go, and even once you are at that point, there's always going to be people who don't get it or who don't want to invest the time in that, and that's just kind of one of the mysteries of life, you know. Yeah. And and there are so many metaphors that it's like yeah, with parenting as. Obviously, Everett isn't old enough to, like, care or not care what you do. But there will come a day where you're doing things for him and he won't care, right? right? And you can imagine with a lot of people who maybe just aren't as mentally, spiritually, psychologically invested in just the the ethos of offering up one's suffering, Mm -hmm. right, for Mm -hmm. this bigger thing. And if you do, if you are not as invested wholeheartedly in that mission, that idea, that spirituality, like you will come to resent anyone you do anything for. I mean, that's and that's a yeah, that's a yeah. And I don't see any obvious way around that, or maybe into that, into that right attitude, that right disposition, without Christianity. Because otherwise, everything is just tit for tat. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Okay, put a put a pin there. Mm-hmm. Other films, other films is good. There's a fun little so, segment. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll I'll bring it up meta on just our um, friendship or who we are or what I've appreciated. I think that it it took me a while to figure it out, but you're both like an artist and a scientist and seeing, but either of those or both of those come out. I think it took me longer to learn the artist side of you. Um, And that's the side I definitely like appreciate. And I think what fuels the podcast and Mm. the work that we do and just like, I don't know even going back to the first time that I learned you were a writer, it's like, oh, that's fascinating. Um, you're hmm. very versatile, dynamic individual. And I've always, um, yeah, I think that's um, driven driven our friendship or the reason that we're still connected, I think. And hmm. uh, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely do, and this certainly wasn't this way from the start with a podcast, but I definitely think of the the editing, the production of it as definitely, like, a certain kind of art, because, yeah, I mean, it needs, it needs, what I have observed a lot in just how people speak is just how how um how would i say this and i've actually said something i described this to you before but just how very clearly structured it is between introduction main content conclusion and then like filler yeah whereas you're not really thinking generally thinking of yourself this is how you're communicating but you just observe when you're parsing it out that that's how it's structured right and so many podcasts are just way too much filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even admitted to you on that and to talk about it more. Like, I, I my interest in, in starting the, the podcast, we could talk about the, the weekend, maybe that prompted it all. I don't know if we've... Yeah, I'm sure we've, yeah, no, that'd be I'm sure we've rehashed it. I, I just genuinely liked a reason to read a little bit of history, liked a reason to talk to you guys more than 
three or four times a year like to reason to sip a little whiskey while doing it and never critiqued our work it's like let's do it let's have it I was a terrible editor you took that lead and then I had never even listened to a single minute of our work until when was that last fall and you had I'd maybe I could just tell it like improved leaps and bounds like there was edits you had you did have that beginning middle and end and it was one night where I had kind of gone through my usual three or four podcasts and I was like I just need I've got a two-hour walk or a window and I want to listen to something enriching to think about and turned us on and like listened to our conversation that I was in and without trying to figure out the next smart thing to say just like enjoyed it and learned um yeah definitely appreciate how much time that I know you do put into making sure that it's like quality and um at least whatever we say is <coughs> cut out and kind of framed with Thanks. um yeah so I I do obviously always listen to them once they're uh produced and on Spotify or such but I was actually once cleaning the bathroom listening to the podcast and you said Mike, and I started talking. <laughs> <laughs> we have golfing. Something about golfing there. Well, after after you left, you you pursued the agronomic scientific role at a mini of farms, at least two or three. Um, <laughs> And yeah, South South Bend most South Bend. Uh, prominently to and lead things off. I always chased you to wherever your job was. I mean, I I I'm a salesman myself in ag tech, and wherever you'd end up, I'd kind of try to figure out who the farm farmer was. And I knew Gordon. Um, you know, right, tried to yeah. tried to work with him on software, and then you ended up at <clears throat> um, Mother Monsanto uh, for right. a bit, and we met up in Creve Core with with another yeah, old good co-worker remember. of mine. Applebee's. So tried to in that interim between like we used to live together and now we're campmates podcast there were some like interesting ways to keep up with your journeyed career to um to where we are today. So I'll just Yeah, I mean that was a sniff I mean that was 2015 through through 20 I guess 20 18 no or 2017 2017 is when the camping trips started there's a couple years yeah Mm -hmm. and they started simply because i moved back to the st louis area and me and ross won uh ice because i you know springfield and st louis are obviously not super far apart so uh a car camping trip one weekend is uh no big deal there Mm -hmm. now describe describe for me you know you and ross are campers you do your first one and then you know, we obviously knew each other at that point, but you know, I come into that third one, you know, who, yeah, who am I as a camper and, and how did that change right, the dynamic? Right. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, right after the 2016 election. Yeah. The, the presidential election certainly came into the mix. We were also camping at a trailer park essentially. Right. Yeah. It was, I, I sort of misread the literature from the state of Illinois, and we were, we were at Coffeen Lake State 
recreation area or something, but it had no actual camping. And so instead, affixed a to the edge of this recreation area lake was uh, was like a long-term camping area right. full of hard-packed dirt and mm-hmm. feral dogs. Right. And then on top of that, it was these power plant stacks that were bright as light on the first day of creation or whatever day the lord created light <laughs> it was it was it was like you're on the titanic yeah. they were so massive right. but yeah landon shows up in his uh in his fleece made of uh lamb's wool i believe you slept in your car that year i mean i didn't I'll... do that till much later <laughs> i don't necessarily like there was no there's as you're well aware, there's lots of things like I roll my eyes to, but there I don't know if you feel like there was eye rolling there to your like camping style. Like there's there is there is no eye rolling because the reality is that despite your lack of real camping experience, true camping experience, like the point is you still went out there and you just you did it your own way with your bottled coffee frappes and your fleece jackets <laughs> and your surf and turf i did i think I, I do remember bringing the bottle of coffees one year i was like i need coffee in the morning let's works camping and then yeah. sure enough ross 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 knows you how to make a good water cup. camping yeah. Yeah. yeah it worked yeah that's like that's the best part mm-hmm. one of the best parts of car camping is uh yeah that was just that was believe just... not even uh, Even when we, me and my friends, backpack out in the wild, there is coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Hot coffee. I didn't know that. I'm, again, yeah. glad to hear it. That's probably why I still show up, is I know that's there. So when we were at Stillwater, as I said, on the, literally on this golf course, which was very important to you, of course, at that point, I'd never played golf ever in my life, although as you'll see at the Ilio, You'll see that I actually can hold my own on the golf course now. But at that point, I had zero skill. So I feel like we did drive golf balls. I think we went to the driving range a couple times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was definitely certainly very impressed with, with your ball ball work there. Oh, here's a fun little memory from what we'll is called the origin years. Origin months. <laughs> So the Champagne Half Marathon mm. is always a major uh, fixture for the Schaefer family. Done it quite a few times. So of course I did it that last time as a student in 2015. And of course not only did Landon and Lucas show up to cheer me on as we ran past the house. Not quite past, but pretty close. But you cut out the newspaper results and had them posted on that fridge, like, until you moved out, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. I was, like, 25th overall, so it sounds, like, vaguely impressive. No, you were, you were like, <laughs> no, you were top 10 in the half. No, I was not top 10. Yeah, you were. I still I, have the, I will, I still have the clipping, so I'll, I'll bring it up and prove it. Yeah, yeah you were top it's 10. on the internet, too, but yeah. no way. I, I'd swear by that, but. <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, that was just a very touching thing. It reminds me of actually something I was reading in the Wall Street Journal recently that's quite related. That 
back in the olden days, you know, the newspaper, of course, is making a case for a newspaper, which I've been huge on preaching the, that gospel. Yeah, but, you're just uh, you're a big Wall Street Journal Daily guy now. I heard. Yeah, uh, no, I, Monday through Friday. I heard that on a podcast recently. <laughs> you know, when you would have arguments with friends, you would clip out the newspaper article and then mail it. And then that would be like the proof in the pudding. Wait, right? you did that, or you know people did that? No, that no, no, I never did that. I was gonna people s- did. Okay, that. I I agree, people did. But, I didn't know that lasted till our generation. I didn't think it did. No. It well, didn't. I don't know if it. Well, I'm sure my parents did it right. for sure. But but the point is, is that it's just a little bit of intentionality that the paper newspaper affords. In the same way, if you like clipping out the re- cutting out the results, it's. You could have sent me a link to the results and like T H N X. Like I could respond. It meant like, meant like nothing, but the paper newspaper just affords this small little meaningful connections in life that that the digital media does does not provide. But you you took advantage of. Yeah, and I think that I think that's still true today. I mean, imagine if you did anything like that today. Imagine if you did cut up the Wall Street Journal with some article and even like typed a note and then mailed Mm -hmm. that to me, that would just like blow anybody's mind. Right. And and if you did the same thing with a link via text or Slack or email, who cares? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and I think that, uh, to get spiritual, I think there's just, that's, it's still, it's physical versus digital. Like the, we still have physical presences in places where we have physical bodies and real tangible things you can touch still just matter way more than digital ever will. That's hard to remind yourself of. Yeah, I wonder how much people do the work to decide, because obviously certain things like, like your taxes, right? There's there's no spiritual value to doing your taxes by paper, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in certain, or just simply pragmatic messaging. Um, yeah, I wonder how common is it among people to really actively do the work? Is this something I is a text message thank you sufficient or is handwritten thank you sufficient? I was about to go and run on AI, but we can that'd be too much of a rambling. We could. But, what were you about to say about? It? I mean, I think it's uh... Well, it it goes the exact same way. It's like People have obviously, I mean, present company included to varying extents, like enslaved ourselves to digital media, Mm -hmm. right? Or at least have a less than ideal relationship to it. And of course, with what's going to happen to AI, with AI, obviously, as we're both aware from our various podcasts we listen to, it's how likely is the the hyper dystopian scenario i don't think it's super likely but how likely is borderline real enslavement for certain individuals to their various ais which like effectively a matrix type environment i think that's going to be the basic thing and then normal people let's just call ourselves normal who do learn how to utilize it as a tool and end up, you know, having significantly better lives because of it, which of course is going to just lend itself into this broadly 
broaden gap of just well-being and flourishing that certain right. kinds of people like to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's there's AI. It's like just open up Chat GPT and ask it a question, which it on its uh, positive note, like it is far better at answering some simple question than Google is. Like Google is so ad driven and whatever their search mm -hmm. engine optimization is to like send you to the website that might have the answer versus the amalgamation of all the knowledge of the website to distill an answer plus one for AI there. On the other side, um, you know, I lived in a time where I did, we, we did use MapQuest or we did just, you know, have the internet and I could memorize, I could drive from my home on the farm to St. Louis or a buddy's house in Chicago or my cousin's house in Denver with, I would memorize four things, four things I needed to mm -hmm. hit. Yeah. And that would be, I would be very lost if I didn't memorize four and just a little lost if I couldn't memorize the fifth thing and then I'd go. And then, and now it's like, sometimes it's like, ugh, just, I, I, I'm so much worse at directions because it's like, just type it in. I'm not going to remember this term. No. Um, and to think, of what AI is and what it can do and how that's a thousand times more perhaps detrimental to like how well I'm able to critically right. think. Um, right. Yeah. And that there's that, that touch point and where it really resonated to me, I watched the Apple just release their Google or their goggle headset and it's like VR and plugging yourself into like an unbelievable digital landscape where you can feel like you're at the Grand Canyon or whatnot. I don't want to do that or be a part of it. I don't want to like jump an inch into that. Like, I don't know the virtual reality and the, what is going to be built there or imagined there just seems yeah. like just as the Amish to take it back. Like at some point technology, you know, the Amish weren't the Amish in 1900. They were just people, right? Mm. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like everybody was Amish until like 1928, right? <laughs> and yeah. then they were like, ah, we're good here. We don't see the benefit of that anymore based on our values, um, mm -hmm. which are community, our neighbors. Like we can build a barn in a day. We don't, we don't need to hire machinery or what, whatever, however you might use the examples. And I, I do think there's probably an Amish moment for our generation where it's mm. like, no, we choose to live in the physical world yeah, and are not just going to be at our home plugging in with a global digital community. Like, yeah. and that you can kind of see that now, but I think, I think it'll almost be a defined community at some point in our lives. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't necessarily thought of it being um, people organizing themselves that way, but that's certainly a real possibility. And, I mean, I will sort of tie that exact same idea into something else. I mean, because I have thought, you know, God willing, having children, you know, what kind of school are they going to go into? into? Yeah, what kind of school? I mean, just what... What do I want to rely upon the government for? 
I don't know, it's a little bit of a digression, but like I I have like resolved quite confidently absolutely no public school. Like it would be homeschooling or a good Catholic school. And yeah. like the reasons are very very like clear and simple. It's 100% because of guns, which is of course the conservative uh thing they can't get past and because of sexual quote-unquote education for the left like both of those i have zero okayness right with yeah. yeah that which is crazy yeah i don't know again the the to tether the idea of what we were just talking about ai is that with because i'm sure i'm not cer- certainly not the only one who feels that way so with those realities in mind, whether we're talking AI or education, like what are communities going to look like? What is the what are the what's the new Amish community <laughs> going to look like in the future? Yeah. And it might it might not have that very boxed in label, but you know, there's going to be opportunities for a split a branch off a mm, we draw the line here and i don't think it needs to be like this dramatic thing it's just like we're gonna do this and i think you see that at a micro level of mm-hmm. different yeah conservative brands um you know creating certain products right. but yeah okay let's try let's try bring ourselves back to some uh some shaping shaping moments there at uh it's still water you know, sort of bookending those early years, of course, was was Stillwater, the home of Landon from what year? 14 to 20. 14 to 20. And um, we, of course, had our spring camping trip scheduled for right at the heat of COVID, burning across America and the world. But we proceeded anyway to Landon's house. And that's where the idea for the podcast emerged. We brought Ross on via streaming to discuss our speech for that uh, quote-unquote camping trip. But man, that was such a fun weekend. So I I remember, of course, running around Champagne that morning, the next Saturday mornings, out on my run, and it looking like Armageddon. Yeah. And then that day, of course, why don't you share what we did that day for our entertainment since there weren't many options. <laughs> our drive? Our drive. Yeah. We um, we hit the road. Uh, we went to, gosh, we went all the way to Vandalia. <laughs> right? We, we drove the border of Lincoln's 8th Judicial Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we're in Champaign. We drove to Vandalia. That is a... I don't know. That's a two-hour drive. Um, read the signs, like just creepy, spooky, nothing going on anywhere. I think there was technically a stay-in-your-home orders, but you know we're south of I eighty, so it's kind of like half intact. Was it March, April? What? Yeah, this was March. This is March. So it yeah. was like it was like week two of shutdown. Yeah. 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 
I don't even think we wore masks anywhere. It was like, don't no, use your own no. coffee. But there was no masks like, yet. You know, <laughs> Fauci was probably saying, don't wear masks. They're useless at that point, just so that they'd save the masks for right, 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 sure, is something. Um, but Matt was just talking to Claire at the time. Oh wow! And so he sat in the car and talked with her while me and you walked around um, the old state capital at Vandalia. Probably the only tourist that Vandalia has seen for 20 years. I still remember one of those one of those boards, the Illinois history ones that we looked at, talked about. I think maybe it was celebrating the move to, and they threw Springfield. A, they threw a party. Do you remember this? Yeah. And they yeah, listed yeah. out the menu of everything that was like brought to the party, and it was like raspberries and almonds and beer and wine and cheese and then it listed the prices but i was still like very impressed that all of those different food products could get to a that either were sourced from illinois or yeah right yeah i felt like one of them was like absurdly high like two hundred dollars on cash right yeah 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 but then we come back um and i think we have breakfast the next morning and just are like mm-hmm. we earnestly talk like man this was great we kind of like talked about a speech last night we we looped ross in via video or phone call we're looking at like a shut down world mm-hmm. with perhaps nothing to do for a couple months it's like let's just fire it up again and hit record yeah, I mean, it was definitely your words. I can picture exactly where you were standing in the kitchen um, when you said that. And Matt was definitely the second person to say yes. And we obviously texted Ross at some point. The second? So you were the first and he was the second? or No, I, could, I mean, you were the first, technically. And so then... Why do you put yourself third? Were you, like, iffy? I remember thinking that Oh no, I'm going to have less time to code. <laughs> uh, yeah, in our first podcast, I did from my car in McDonald's I parking lot yeah. because I didn't have internet yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay, since you were since you were complimenting complimenting me earlier, I gotta return the favor. I think that what sort of makes you stand out among my friends is sort of being being the material provider and that might sound like yeah he's the rich guy but no it, it's more than that because you're out you're obviously very generous and like one feels one feels loved as a friend when landon says hey guys i got the bill or you know whatever like that's that's just a fun aspect to have among your friends like and then of course you know at at the wedding me and Ross being able to be a a part of the just a part of the event, right? Like having our own little room up at the old haunted oh, house yeah, in yeah, Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, that's just extraordinarily fun exceptional when you get especially invited to be a part of a special day like that. And it was. It was so much fun the whole weekend. There was of course the beer there was the dancing you setting me up with a couple young ladies 
I tried, Dad. <laughs> I tried, okay? <laughs> we won't name um, names. They might be listeners. Who knows? Right, right, right. <laughs> I think Ross's favorite story from the wedding that is worth relating. Your friend... I did, He was so rough around the edges. <laughs> but he was giving some speech at the... Um, the rehearsal yeah, night, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's telling some stories that feel a little exaggerated for you, although for sure. in the no, right no, tone. He, yeah, that, about, there is, that is his nature. Yes. About you going on a 10-mile walk after partying the previous night and then going to Mass that morning. He thought you were Catholic, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, I know uh, he knows I'm not Catholic, but I think that was a way to just frame it in a way that is. Uh... But Ross, so then the next morning, I do actually go run run ten miles, and then uh, me and Ross have mass, of course, as well. And Ross just got such a kick out of what this guy was exaggerating was literally exactly what I did <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> It was a really fun wedding. I'm glad that, uh, uh, yeah, that you and Ross took took the whole weekend to uh, spend with us. Mm-hmm. I remember at work on that Saturday morning, it was raining. And I remember all I had to do for work that morning was load a few pallets of sod. And it was Saturday morning, so it was just me there. And I was waiting for a customer. And I was in one of the covered um, covered skid steers, but open in front. And it has, like, just really comfy perch for your feet. And so I just remember propping my feet up on the edge, listening to some great Billie Holiday, and thinking to myself, like, oh, get to go to Landon's wedding today. <laughs> the rain is falling. Oh, it was just a perfect, perfect morning. Um, I feel like we should try to try to close it with a, a little pop or bang um in the least maybe what uh what do we hope for the future of our friendship or mm, okay i i got one will one of your books and i sell more than ten thousand copies i like i like this question i don't have an obvious answer but maybe you'll have a good question if you could bring Everett, and I'll do my imaginary son. If you could bring Everett to any speech guy's camping trip that's ever happened, which one would you take him to? So you're taking him back in time. Yeah. At whatever age you want to take him yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's any age, and I can take him to any one that we went to? Yep. Yep. I mean, let's call him... 14 i feel like that's good age uh maybe i'll think of one more in the future but the one with um joe i don't know what we talked about that night i think you guys were up later that night (laughs) i think it was like a little bit um i'll just try to summarize broadly with broad strokes i think it was a little bit like protestant versus catholic versus atheist 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds vaguely right. And like to the point where over breakfast we kind of like almost like apologize to each other a little bit. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the best one. And I don't know if I can tie it to any reason, but whatever we talked about and however that was resolved, it felt like the most uh, lively or heartily argumentative debate that was Mm -hmm. still jovial and friendly. And again, I'm not exactly sure what the topic was. Yeah, the one that I would uh, take uh, my imaginary son to I don't know this sort of just diluting down to our favorite one but that's okay would probably be the 20 fall 2019 camping trip where we went to Jim Edgar it started off with me and just me and you meeting up at that great little brewery mm-hmm. in Petersburg and Petersburg and a fate in Petersburg shout out to them it's incredible memory I mean, I live right there. I know what the brewery in Petersburg is. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> kind of my home area. Um, me and you going grocery shopping right after that. Yeah. Headed to the park. Ross was late. Ross was working that day. And us sitting out there watching the planes fly and trying to predict where they were coming from and where they were going. You're doing your traditional three ball salute into the distance golfing. We'll just say I uh, was very loose in my interpretation of where it was okay to drive my car. <laughs> I could be more descriptive, but if you'd rather not, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll we'll leave it general uh, at that point. Yeah, and I remember we did we did do a, I think I think it was actually Socrates Apologia speech. That was, uh, I. you won't believe me, that was the second one in my head. It was like just the most fun one where we were all just like, we're together again. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and Matt Matt was getting ready to go on his second date with Claire the next day. Yeah. yeah. And, you guys, and you guys did have uh, a very effective sort of, sort of, sincere heart-to-heart meet with me regarding a um a girl in my life that i i I think went went a very healthy healthy route and there was a man walking around our tent the next morning i also remember (laughs) yeah that was definitely just pure fun i agree yeah Um, the calm before the storm of covid just a few months later right yeah Mm-hmm. And I finished with an ice swim. I remember in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's at least one option for us to take our children to once uh, the AI have built the time machines for us. Lord knows, there's many more in the future though that we'll have uh, to select from, yep. God willing. So, for sure. Lana, it's been great doing our origin story. Mm-hmm. You as well, we Mike. still got. You and Matt, you and Ross, and me and Matt. Just three so more. So we, we got a few more. more. Yeah. Spread them out. Maybe one more this season. Maybe not, but we'll get in the next uh, next season or two. So. Yep. Been a pleasure. Thanks for drinking. And thinking. With us. Hey, be safe out there. Mm-hmm.
collection of Wendell Berry short stories when we were dating. Yep. And we tr- yep. I tried like I read tried to read one of them with her in the car I remember once. And it didn't really land. But and so it you know just sh- sat on my shelf since then, right? And then when my grandma when he just died was in the nursing home um you know like in those final months you know I was like she was all like until like the last two weeks like you could converse with her easily but yeah I was like I don't know let's just mi- mix things up rather than just talking about stuff we've already talked about so I looked at my bookshelf and I grabbed two books off my shelf I grabbed Into the Wild by John Crack. I thought my grandma would enjoy hearing that. I was going to read it to her. Right. And then I also grabbed the Fidelity book of short stories that Molly had bought me. Okay. And so yeah. I went there. I asked grandma, like, "Okay, here's the two options. What what do you want me what what do you want me to read with you?" And she picked Fidelity. And so I flipped through, found found the story that I thought would work. And so we read the one uh, story together. And then we started on another one over the next like month or so, and we didn't finish it. And and I tried finishing it, or at least continuing with it with her, like in her final like few days. Yeah. But like, we couldn't because it was just like too much to try to read with her with her with her there. And it's not like there's a, there's no mm. guilt. It's like oh, I should have finished. Like no, it's just. Right. Um, what you yeah, it's, it's just yeah. That is who would have guessed this book that Molly had written a nice note in it, but um, that mm-hmm. had relatively little prominence in my life suddenly takes on this substantial weight. Like, huh? Sort of like the movie Signs. Like, you didn't think the cups of water <laughs> meant anything. <laughs> I referenced signs this week for something too, and it's a good, the simple message with the weird see, alien twist, but kind of a simple away. message. Yeah, I referenced because I saw the Napoleon mm. trailer with yeah, uh, yeah. Joaquin, and I was telling my dad about it. He's like, "Who's Joaquin?" And I'm like, "We kind of reference Joaquin movies," and my brother was like, "Signs," and I was like, "Oh, 
dad kind of knew signs. Um, swing away, Merle. Um, so the re- what short story do you did you leave off the grandma? Do you remember? I don't know the fidelity. Um, book, um, but yeah, I marked fidelity. off fidelity. I marked. Yeah, I'd like. To, yeah, I marked off yeah. where we uh, stop. A jonquil for Mary Penn. So grandma and I both learned a jonquil is a type of flower. Hmm. Mary Penn. Um. I'll have to look up the Fidelity book. The reason I ask is I've <clears throat> I read first read Wendell in 2019. Um, my brother gave me a book oddly in like 2016 that I put on the shelf, never read, stared at it, didn't know who Wendell Berry was. Read in 2019. I've continually worked through his nonfiction and fiction. Actually wrote him a letter mm-hmm. last summer. And uh, three weeks ago, I spent about three hours at his farm with him. What? <laughs> That's big. You know, Molly went. Yeah, Molly went I, to uh, his farm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? While we were dating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, he's not actually that famous uh, when it comes down to it. Mm, maybe um, I feel like I mean in Catholic circles, like. A lot of people know who he is. He was friends with Thomas Merton, right? Uh, I think. Well, the yeah, Kentucky Thomas Merton. Yeah. 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 I I'd read all his nonfiction, and then I finally read a novel, and this novel described my home, like small rural town upbringing, in ways mm. that I've never heard hmm. described in fiction before. And I like identified myself as one of his characters, hmm. and was just. And I was the antagonist. He's an organic, you know, he hates, not hates, but like he critiques government, USDA, land grant universities, ag corporations, pretty much everything that I am. Um, And I, I still appreciate it. I was like, whoa, you, that's, that's a different side of the coin that I didn't even know existed. Um, Both basically told him that in a letter. Hmm. and he like I sent this letter I had a letter back from him in like six days Um, and he's like yes you can come meet me whenever you want Um, but he is an environmentalist so he's like don't take a special meeting if you're ever through Kentucky just let me know so I did that I had a friend's wedding and um, it was just basically like a kitchen table conversation I ended up studying. I've I've legit probably read all his nonfiction, half of his novels, not that much of his poetry, um, and uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. 